think that a lot of times we look at the table as like it's just a piece of furniture. It's in our dining room and now we're losing our dining rooms to just open floor plans. Now we don't even have a table. We just have a bar and then we eat at the couch watching TV. We are losing the art of being at the table. And I don't feel like that the table was just a piece of furniture that God just wanted us to sit at and eat at. He wanted us to dine with him there. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. You guys, I am so happy to have you join me today as we kick off the most wonderful time of the year with our For the Love of Comfort and Joy series. We wanted those two things in this series. We wanted comfort for you. We wanted joy and we have it all. Some of our guests in this series are going to make us laugh until we cry. Some of them are going to help us think through hosting and food and the kind of magic of being together. Some of them are going to pray over us and send us, send us into the next year with a blessing. We've, we've just, it's all in here. There's comfort and there's joy. And it is, there's been a delight for me as a podcast host to record. And I hope that you have enjoyed it and will enjoy it as much as I have. So, you know, as, as Christmas kind of rolls around, well, all the whole holiday season, there is like excitement and joy on one hand, as we start thinking about hosting our family and our friends, but sometimes just on the heels of that is a little bit or a lot of bit of trepidation or even anxiety. Like we want to make the day perfect for those that we love most in the world and the perfectionism that we hope to achieve just opens the door and strolls in and takes over. So when we're like pressuring ourselves to set the perfect table and make the perfect food and have the perfect ambiance, it just zaps the whole thing of its joy. What should have been like connected and lovely and warm and comforting just ends up feeling stressful and anxiety ridden. And, and we've ruined the whole thing. So how can we make this easier? How can we make this part of it easier so that we will actually enjoy what we are doing and the people that we are doing it for? This is why I'm so happy to welcome today my friend, Abby Turner. What I love is Abby is a self-taught home cook and she learned from YouTube videos through trial and error, literally exactly like me. You'll see in this episode how much we are like, same, same, same. Like she is accessible. She is, she's like our friend. She's our friend who kind of shows us the way her, her whole goal has always been to get food on the table and share it with those she loves. And so I think Abby's desire to share a simple, but lovely meal and host friends and family have made the whole world fall in love with her social presence and her new book called the living table. There is a reason her community has so much energy around her because she is genuinely bringing a lot of love to the world. I loved this conversation with her. I felt so kindred. I'm absolutely using some of the hacks that she gave me. And if you have not met Abby yet, you're going to be so tickled that I've now put her into your view. So you guys, I'm so pleased to share my conversation with the absolutely lovely Abby Turner as we kick off our 2021 holiday season. Abby, I am so, I'm so happy to meet you and I'm so glad that you're here. This is going to be such a fun conversation. I'm so excited. Okay, Abby, I have filled in my listeners a little bit about who you are. But for for people who are new to you today, would you mind sort of giving my community this sort of a high-level overview of who you are, 
like kind of what, what is your deal? Who are your people and kind of what you do in general before we get down into the weeds on it? Yeah, for sure. Well, I will start with basically who I, I mean, I'm from Arkansas. I've got two younger sisters. I come from a large family. I mean, at like mother's day, there's like 40 strong. So you can only imagine what like Thanksgiving Christmas are like, I grew up in a family where hospitality was just kind of like what you did. It wasn't like your gift. No, you just did it. So it was kind of, you know, ingrained in me at a very, very early age. But when I graduated college and I started working and moved around a lot, I think I was like in six states in five years, I was lost. I was so lonely. I did not have friends. And my mom said, well, you need to cook for someone. And I was like, probably not. I'll order tzatzikis, but I'm not, I'm not cooking. And from there, she said, you know, Abby, there's something really unique when you are powerful that, that happens when you cook for someone. And so I did, it was a terrible meal, but I remember what it was. It was cheesy tortellini, which tortellini, I did not know this. (laughs) Tortellini has cheese on the inside. You don't need to put cheese on the outside. Right. You need to put like olive oil or marinara or like pesto. And it was so, it was Not so bad. Like gummy cheese on top of now gummy pasta with yes. interior cheese. Oh, so bad. And I cooked yeah. a whole bag in like one of those small personal crock pots, not like a large. And so it just was like ratatouille, like everything's kind of coming out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. But my sweet friend went to work the next day and said, Abby made the best meal. She invited people to my house. One person turned into three, turned into five. I ended up having a Bible study at my apartment that season. And so it was like, Unreal what God did to the at the table. And I think it was at that point he was like, Abby, there's something really powerful I want to teach you about this stagnant piece of furniture that you thought you didn't have room for in your tiny mm-hmm. 600 you square foot apartment. Right. Yeah, or your laundry your mail or, goes and everybody's yes, lunch boxes. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. And so I over the next like you know, four or five years, I started really diving into what does food look like? What does the table look like? What does community look like? And started a blog, a tabletop affair, because I was just posting pictures of food and people were like, can we have that recipe? And at that time, highlights were new on Instagram. So I was like, oh, I'll just put them in highlights because I never wanted to be a blogger. And then all of a sudden I found myself with a blog. (laughs) So I started a blog all about the table and I called it a tabletop affair because it's the conversation. It's the inspiration. So like table decor, what do you put as your centerpiece, that kind of stuff. But also what are we going to, you know, how are we going to bring people together and make food and food's just that natural conduit. And I think with food network and some of the, the shows, it makes it kind of unapproachable. Like I have to be a chef. And so I start, I, wrote a cookbook, The Living Table. And I started it off by saying, I'm not a chef. I'm not a culinary artist. I don't have a background in this. I'm just your best friend bringing some like really easy recipes. I love starting with stuff that's store-bought. <laughs> I'm all about finding the hacks and finding the twists. I think there's a recipe, which you shouldn't even call it a cookbook. You should just call it a how-to book or a DIY book. But inside it's there's a recipe where it's like a fruit cheesecake. And literally it's just go buy a a cheesecake from the store and then put fruit on top of it. And sometimes we need it. So explained for us. So anyway, I started that about five years ago and then wrote this book because there was just so much on my heart about empowering people to get out from it. It's not about the perfection of the party. It's about the people that are there and we've got to get there faster. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. So I love this and I really want to get a little bit more granular with you on this because you are in my wheelhouse right now. I don't know if you know this, 
But for me, one of my tip top favorite things in the world is food, number one, and, and the clear number one, and hosting. Now, I am just like you because I am 100% a home cook. I mean, there is, there's no stretch of the imagination in which I have credentials, you know? Yeah. I learned on the Food Network. I was like, what's ginger? Like yep. you can buy garlic in a whole way. Like that's a, what does garlic look like? You know, I started from scratch. And so I want to ask you this because sometimes I think food and cooking is intimidating for people like me who didn't grow up learning. So I'm a full grown adult before I am starting to sort out like, what does a good knife mean? You know? So can you talk about how you very first, like I want your food origin story and you touched on it, but specifically, how did you kind of find your way personally into food, cooking, shopping, dicing, braising? And so talk to me about your beginning relationship with food and what you learned and how early you learned it and where were your teachers and just all that. Yeah. So, I mean, I touched on it and my family has always been, we've always cooked. We've always been in the kitchen, but growing up in Arkansas, we're kind of in, you know, really in the South. And so we're casserole people and we are, you know, making Jiffy cornbread and, you know, everything comes in bulk because you make it in bulk for 50, 60 people. And so it wasn't really until I started kind of this love for food and cooking for people in my adulthood at 25, 26, where I started learning, okay, what is tortellini? What goes with that? Why did I do that wrong? And asking questions like similar to you watching the Food Network, watching YouTube videos. But then when I moved from Birmingham back to Arkansas in 2018, I started working at Walmart at the home office in food marketing, and I was on food shoots every other week in Minneapolis and New York and LA and San Francisco with top-notch food stylists and photographers. And so I've come home in between shoots. I would try to recreate what we did. I would try to style stuff my myself and be like, okay, well, how did they do that? And, you know, just having fun with it, being single and not having anything to do. And I started posting it. And that's when people were like, can we have these recipes? And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm just like having I'm just fun. playing around. I'm just yeah. having fun. And so really it's kind of happened over the last five or six years. Yes. My family, I grew up with a love of just eating and consuming food. <laughs> but then it wasn't until later in life where I was just around some experts in the field learning hands-on with them. And that's sometimes more valuable than actually going to school for it, right? <laughs> totally. I, I mean, I just could not agree more. I I think the school of uh, hard knocks in life is a good one and kind of gets us where we're actually headed probably quicker. Last month, I was on the road a lot and loving pretty much every second of it. But getting back into the traveling rhythm has reminded me of some of my go-to travel hacks that I rely on over and over again. Things like always pack a book, duh. You know I love books because I love a good storyline. And I think that's why I got into this phone game called Best Fiends because it has a storyline. 
complete with all the things. Good guys, those are the fiends. The bad guys called slugs. And if you've been around here for a while, you you know that I love it. I've talked about it a lot, actually. Best Fiends is one of those match three puzzle games. And it's really the only one I play. And by the way, every time you play, there's a new adventure and story to follow. There's always new content. So you're never repeating anything. It really is so much fun. So whenever I need to step away and redirect mental energy for a while, or just fill those in-between moments in, I pull up Best Fiends. It's absolutely free to download, by the way. And you can play it anywhere with or without the internet which means it's perfect if you're the passenger on holiday road trips or any upcoming travel too. So you guys download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Whoever was holding out until December 1st to put up your Christmas tree, all bets are off now. It is time. Now, we have a tradition here in our house that every year I buy my kids an ornament that has some sort of special meaning or shared memory from that year. It's also something I started with the nephew babies. So when I saw that KiwiCo had come up with the cutest Christmas-themed projects for kids of all ages, including make-your-own ornaments, you know I signed up for that special delivery. But they've also gone elf on us this year with a workshop of good gifts to give. I just ordered a bunch of their holiday kits for the nephews and for my friends with littles to make things like snowman wobblers and a Christmas village and a Santa's light up workshop. They're such fun hands-on projects. Plus everyone learns a thing or two along the way. So just know these aren't just any craft projects with like string and popcorn, right? KiwiCo doesn't mess around. Everything they do is legit and high quality. So whether you want to give your own kids a channel for their natural creativity or curiosity, or you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift subscription for your friends with kids, KiwiCo is your answer. So this holiday season, give the gift of a fun, hands-on holiday shopping experience with KiwiCo. Guys, you'll get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with the code FORTHELOVE at KiwiCo.com. So that is awesome. 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code FORTHELOVE. You mentioned the book. I want to talk about it. So you have this amazing new book. It's called The Living Table, which I love that title so much because you and I both know, as mentioned, preparing food and hosting is not, I mean, I repeat, not all about some multi-point plan or this great seating chart or all the like perfect logistics, right? It's, it's really not. It's about what happens around that table and the relationships that are formed around that table and built. And so really and truly the, the food and the hosting while precious and special, and we both love that is kind of secondary to the actual magic. So can you explain to us what you mean when you are referring to a living table and how like really like get to the nitty gritty here, because can you talk about how we can learn and train our brains, especially as women, to focus on that part instead of losing every bit of joy in this planning part that we're kind of inventing. You know, yeah. how do we do it? Like, how do we embrace what matters the most and let go of all the stuff that we are at obsessing about that don't really matter? Yeah, no, I think that, you know, I called it the living table because I, I think that a lot of times we look at the, the table as like this just piece of furniture and it's in our dining room. And now we're losing our dining rooms to just open floor plans. And now 
We don't even have a table. We just have a bar. And then we eat at the, at the couch watching TV. We are losing the art of being at the table. And so the table essentially is like God's kind of place of that. He wants to love on us, whether or not you've invited someone over, whether or not you have, you know, made a meal for your family, make sure the table is ready. And by ready, I mean, set put a placemat down, put, put glasses on there because when the table's filled with, you know, the plates and the glasses and the silverware, you're not going to have space for your bills or your soccer cleats or your laundry. You're going to have to move that stuff out of the way. And so it's going to be this action like against sitting at the table. But I think that what you said about we're putting so much pressure on ourselves for this kind of perfect preparation of this meal. I think let's prepare ahead of time. Let's make sure that we we have some recipes that are tucked in our pocket or things that we can pull out of the pantry fast and get ready. I think that that's why the majority of my recipes, 105 of them are 30 minutes or less. Start with store-bought five ingredients. I mean, really simple recipes because it's not about how long you're in the kitchen. It's about getting to the people faster. So, I mean, the cheesecake, it's a no-bake cheesecake because you literally buy it at the store and then you put fruit (laughs) on top of it. It's a cheeseburger, you know, dip because literally you don't have to worry about the bread or the anything else. You just dump it all in the cast iron and let it go to town. You know, like you're not having to put together things and you're getting to spend more time with your people. And I think that that's the heart of serving others is that no matter what time of day, we're ready. So if we have the table set, and we have a couple of things in the pantry, then we're always in a, in a posture of this kind of like service. I love that. That's practical and it's real. If the table looks like a place where we should be eating, then we're probably going to. Absolutely. If it looks like a place where we're just going to do homework and tasks, then that's what we're going to do. So we're almost like leading the witness and we're the witness toward what's possible. Okay. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you this too, just writer to writer because your book is so lovely. So, so, so lovely. I'd love to hear what the writing process was like for you, because I mean, I can say for me, you know, I, I came into the food world as a nonfiction trade book writer. That's my deal. So I've written, you know, tons of books for women and they're in the faith space and they're their empowerment space. It's completely different. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, what's fine. Let's write a cookbook. Why? I don't know. Cause it seemed fun. And it was, I loved it, but it's a whole deal. Uh, it is a complete whole deal. Like the two pronged task list of both 1 million, like recipe testing hours in the kitchen, just workshopping, workshopping, work, canceling, redoing. <laughs> That's a whole bucket. And then it's the writing part, which is, te- it's a little, it's not easy. Like it's not, that's not easy. And so, however, I say all that to say, this is one of my favorite projects I've ever done. I think this is like my 14th book. And I'm like, this will not be my last. It is such a joy. It's so fun to gather your creative energy, your writing energy, your cooking energy around one project. And so I'd love to hear how you found the writing process, the good and the bad. You're like, yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, I feel like you and I are like kindred spirits and I'm like on the opposite track. So next for me is a, is a not, you know, a nonfiction trade book. And so it's like, 
okay, so this is what this is. So I don't know where I'm going with this nonfiction stuff because I'm used to recipes and food and all uh-huh. that. So, but yeah. I, we swapped. I mean, we swapped, we uh-huh. are switching roles, but I think that when you said that there's one dessert recipe, I am not a baker because I'm not a a detail person. I throw things in. I don't know what my sister was talking about it the other night. And she said, you know, that meal, that taco meal you made for us when I had my, my baby. So that was two years ago. She said, I dream about that. Could you make that again? Not Jen, in I don't years, know right? what I made. I, I couldn't No, I didn't write. Like, could anything you go back down. and just give a what. snapshot of my pantry and what's ever left in my fridge? Cause that's what it was in it. I have no idea. And so <laughs> the recipe part, while I knew what the outcome was, I'm not sure how I get to outcomes <laughs> because I just dabble. I'm not a scientist. And so that was a very difficult part for me of like writing down. And I remember having to like, I'm in the middle of a recipe and I just like get into it and I'm feeling it. And I'm like, I just put spices in there and I don't know what dump Try it again. You know, like yeah, you have to start over. And so it was like, Oh, Abby, 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 my editor, if I could just tell you, if I could just tell you, like when the first pass of the cookbook, I'd send it in and like, do your best. Like, and if I could just even tell you how many little queries were throughout the whole project, like, can I get a, can I get a quantity here? Like, I'm going to need like teaspoons or like how many, or uh, when you say, Jen, when you say some, what what would you think that means? I'm like, oh no. Oh gosh. That's so true. That's so true. And there are like parts where it'd be like, well, if you want to add salt, but if not, you don't have to. That's me. The editor was like, no, it either has salt or it doesn't. And you can add more or less. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's because we're intuitive cooks and not because we're special. It's just, that's how we learned. And so I know if I like it, if it tastes good, I, that's my formula. I don't have, I'm not precision cook. I'm not like technical or so I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if you d- have done this in your like cookbook world, but I sent out all my recipes. I, I gathered this group of early recipe testers. Cause I'm like, let's just see if any of this makes sense to anyone. You know, let me, let me find any blind spots or any instructions that kind of rub or people, something where I think it makes sense, but it actually doesn't, which is a ton. And like, we have this saved file of all the compiled feedback. And I think I will laugh about it until I'm dead. It's like, I assumed some was four tablespoons or this was so <laughs> much. So I just splashed things in and it was hilarious. And then That's so funny. many people were like, I don't know if I did this right. I'm like, here's the metric here. Did you like it? Then you did it right. Yeah. Okay, that's it. That's all I have for you. Like, I don't, if you don't like jalapenos, so leave them true. Out. I mean, yeah. this is not the Bible, you know? No, like, right. This is a very loose guide. I mean, yes. this is, I can barely be called a cookbook, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in that same boat. I had a recipe. My funniest feedback uh, was on the strawberry shortcake. I just assumed you knew if we are greasing a nine by nine pan, you are putting the dough in the pan before you put it in the oven. And I didn't know I had to say, now put the dough in the greased pan. And so I get a call, sister of mine, who's testing this one. And she was Uh like, hey, so what do I do with the dough after I've mixed it? Will you put it in the pan and then put it in the oven? She goes, oh, I didn't know how I was supposed to dump it. All you gotta do, 
dump it in there. So it's like, I die. I, I, I really die. take, I, know. I really take for granted. And, but man, how cool is it? Like I've been to a couple of events now where they have had chefs come in and want to make my food for the event. And the chef will come up and be like, your recipes are great. They're so easy. And it's like, <gasps> I mean, to get that kind of affirmation from an expert in the field, I'm not an expert. I'm just your friend, but man, that's so cool. So, so yeah, great. the process was laborious and very, I mean, it was very hard. I mean, I love each of my recipes. I feel like equally like you would your children. They're like my babies, but it took some time. It's not like you sit down and you can just edit the whole, like all, all of the recipes you take them like, okay, what is this recipe? And because your mind kind of goes numb after a while seeing like all of the ingredients and all of the measurements. And it's like, where am I? So yeah, it was, it was a lot. And what about nonfiction? Cause this is, this is a whole different muscle. It's a lot more vulnerable. And I mean, you are now not just pulling out of your kitchen, you're pulling out of your life story. And I find that it is, it's tender to put out something closer to a memoir. It's like bringing your new baby to the world. And you're like, please think my baby is pretty. Please, please do not say my baby is ugly. I can't deal with it. And so did you find that you were naturally open to authenticity and transparency? And did that kind of come easy for you? Did you have to kind of push through it all? I'm not a big story person. I don't remember a lot of stories. So I think the going back and talking to people in my life about, Hey, do you remember this? Like I have a vague memory of this or really exercising that muscle of going back because that vulnerability pieces is really hard for me. And so I tend to like block out, like we are just living today and moving forward. I'm not thinking back. And so this whole nonfiction world is now, oh, I have to talk about that time that I was tender and raw and no one saw me because I was taught you cry in the car or in your room, not anywhere else. And so I had to open that up and be like, okay, now I, and there were, I, this is so just how our bodies work, but my place is my kitchen. And there are nights that I remember writing and being done writing and just being in a really, really just raw place. And I sat on the floor of my kitchen in between my oven and my dishwasher. And that's where I, that's where I let it out. That's where I, because that was my place. That's my place. And so just, it is totally different. I feel like with my recipes, they gave me kind of a shield of like, oh, I can talk about the uniqueness of all of the ingredients and how that's how we are in the uniqueness of Christ. And da, da, da. But now it's, I don't have the food to kind of shield me. I, I have to go there to a place of, hey, this is what happened to me. And this is what I learned from it. And I want you to walk through this with me. So it's wonderful. different. Good for you. Good for you. And that level of courage to kind of put your own story out into the world like that will have a high return. People are drawn to that. They're drawn to the truth of our lives. They're drawn to what makes us who we are and where we have had victories and where we have had losses and setbacks. Like this is life. This is the stuff of life. And so when we're willing to kind of offer that to our communities, 
I find it to be very contagious, that transparency is contagious and it spreads and it's really good work. You all know when it comes to tech issues, I am not your girl. I'm just not. Even the normal to me stuff is always hard. But there are other techie things that I think about exactly never. That's where my team comes in and shows me what's next. So this happened again recently when someone asked me if I encrypted my internet connection for better security. Um, No. What do you mean? But here's what I learned. Your internet service provider can see every single site you've ever visited, even if you use incognito mode and even if you clear your history, which is why I started using ExpressVPN. It's a super easy to use app that reroutes and then encrypts your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet provider can't see the sites you visit. So this means whether... Like you're just doing some holiday shopping from your desk or on a family vacation or just connecting at a cafe. This is the way to keep your personal information more private and more secure. ExpressVPN protects 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption and no lag time. I use it on every single one of my devices, phone, laptop, iPad. It's even available for your routers. So your whole family can be protected under one subscription because going online doesn't have to mean being exposed. So go to expressvpn.com slash for the love, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. So that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash for the love expressvpn.com slash for the love for three months free on a one-year package i want to ask you this because we're sort of coming up on the holiday season which at this point is now like three months long holiday season is now enormous it's 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 a quarter of the year. It starts at Labor Day and goes through Easter. <laughs> You're actually right. It's more than three months. This is fair. So I think for a lot of women, I've heard this inside my community for years, that I just hate this. I hate this so much because there's supposed to be so much joy baked in to this time of the year. But for so many of us, it comes with a sense of dread, particularly around this conversation, around the food, around the hosting around the feeding, around the planning, and what should be something that's kind of delightful and and not necessarily hard. We don't, hard doesn't equal good, has turned into like a weight, even a burden. And so can you talk a little bit about how you personally sort of prepare for the holiday season? What's your mindset? Even if you have some best practices where you're like, these are a handful of things I just operate out of and it helps keep me like grounded and joyful instead of like resentful and stressed. uh, We don't need anymore. We're stressed. We're stressed universe. Like we don't, we can't have another layer right now. Like this year and a half has been too hard on us and we need this season to deliver us like joy and connection. And so I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a sprint. I feel like there are eight, weeks here between Halloween and New Year's, these eight weeks that it just feels like we have a party every week and we don't know what to do and it's overwhelming and we can't. And what I lean into is, is, you know, the body of Christ is made up of many parts. I think that Jesus did a lot of his ministry around the table and around food. So I think we can look at that and try to imitate him. But one thing that he did that I love is that he was kind of the originator of a potluck with the feeding of the 
5,000, everyone brought their own food and we did it. And so I think that leaning into that, going back to like, you don't have to do it all. You can lean on your people. You can lean on your family, like give people something to bring, even if it's chips for the dip. Like if you separate it out that much, like do it. Also, you know, something that I I preach in the living table is start with store-bought. Do not start from scratch. If you start from scratch, you you are adding a layer of complexity. So last year with my family, you know, 60, we've got a big family (laughs) for Christmas. I tried something. I did, I bought like 10 frozen sweet potato casseroles and they feed four. So I bought a lot of them, but they're like $2 at Walmart. You know, they're so inexpensive. And I dumped them all into a Pyrex dish and I topped them with store-bought candy-coated sugar pecans. So like sure. I didn't sugar the pecans. I bought them sugar, yeah. topped it's them like and dump, put it in the oven and every dump. Yes. And put it into the oven to make it look like I cooked it. And then like, if you can't, I'm air quoting that hard. Uh And so I brought it out and my family was like, okay, Abby's got the sweet potatoes from now on. It was so good. And I was like, yeah, you bet it was. It was $12 good. (laughs) So like lean into store-bought, potluck it out. Don't get stressed about the cookie party or this appetizer you have to bring because at the end of the day, the people won't remember what you brought. They'll remember the conversation they had with you. And that's why the cookbook is so is is broken up into like little moments. It's because those little moments are what what we thrive off of as people. And so like try to, instead of trying to create the perfect food, try to come up with really fun conversation starters. Try to come up with like, what, what are you going to talk about? Where are you going to lead the conversation? Like what, what is it that connects these people? together because that's what they're going to remember because that's what knits us together. That's what community and connection is all about. When my family gets together at like Thanksgiving and us too, big table, a lot of people, a lot of energy. We're all kind of like this, like nobody is calm. Nobody, we don't have it. Nobody's quiet. Nobody's gentle. We are just like a high octane family. And so we will go like around the table. And this is always the only thing I can really remember of the whole day. I mean, I'm sure we ate good food. We all cooked it. it that, But what I remember is that we'll go around the table and we'll be like, okay, from last Thanksgiving to today, this calendar year, what's everybody's high and what is your low? I love that. And so there's always like a little bit of a deer in the headlight from some of our less vulnerable family members who are like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. But what happens is we all do. And it ends up being like precious, you know, like precious, like letting one another into our like sad spaces or losses or where we were grieving or disappointed. And then also our wins and our thrills and it's just incredible. And so it's true. It's, we love to have the food. We love for it to taste good. We loved it for it to be salted. <laughs> Please more salt. All all, salt. Always. Yeah. That's all, my all the spices. Yes. All the salt, all the spices, all the butter. Yes. But it's the people. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question before we kind of land the plane here. How can we make just a regular Tuesday, like a Tuesday, like what's your tip, your top tip for making 
just even the most like basic, ordinary thing, kind of a special occasion, or just have a little like pizzazz to it, like a little razzle dazzle. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you meal plan at the beginning of the week, the meals aren't as special throughout the week. So I'm always about like finding that special ingredient and say, okay, this is, or the, the new ingredient, this is the thing I'm going to make this this week, you know, like I'll find like a, a peppermint something, or I'll find a pumpkin something this season. And it's like, Oh, I could do something fun with that this week. Make, make that, make that your Tuesday night meal. Make, like one um, mm-hmm. yeah, one thing. It doesn't have to be big. Maybe you're substituting something into a recipe that you love. But also I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm single. I don't have kids. And so, but when I think about the way that I have been raised and the way that what impacted me the most is my family always said, if you love this person, we love them too. bring them over. And so if you want to play with them, bring them over and let's play here. And so maybe Tuesday night becomes your neighborhood night. Maybe it becomes a night where you invite your, your kids friends over so that your, your kids begin to see what hospitality looks like, what food at the table looks like, what conversation at the table looks like. You'd be amazed at the number of kids even in your neighborhood that don't sit down at the table, that don't see mom and dad talking to each other or parents talking to each other. And so I think that if we can drive that point home, we were, we are going to see dividends later in 20 and 30 years. We're going to see kids that love the table, that understand the importance of it, that, that connect with people that are like them, that are unlike them, that, you know, th- that they love because they saw that example, like shown by their parents. So make that Tuesday night something, hey, we're going to make a, a, a fun dinner with a fun ingredient. Maybe the kids help, but tonight bring, bring the people that you love because we love them too. So make it special. Your people are my people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. We're wrapping this up. These are questions that I'm asking all my guests in this particular series. So it's just kind of like top of your head, like just what do you got? Just fired off. So here's the first one. I just want to hear you like touch down quickly on a Christmas tradition. So maybe this is either something that you have initiated since the pandemic started and everything got weird, or maybe it's something that you've always done that you grew up with, or you added as an adult, but like, what's one of them? I bet you have more than one, but what's one of them that you love? So during the pandemic, my family decided to all, not me, but a, a group of my family, 12 of them decided to move out to a farm together. They bought a ton of acreage. And so now we have a family farm that multiple of our families live on. And so Dreamy. it is. So Thanksgiving and Christmas, like this time of year, when the families are at their respective individual families, it's really still, we're all together. And so the holidays are so fun because I'm coming into town. I stay for, you know, four weeks and it's like this extended community time with the people that know me and love me the most. Hmm. Oh my gosh. It is amazing. Unreal. I hope, I mean, the farm will be in the family for for decades to come, hopefully, but I love that. I love that. My dad has had a ranch since 2006 and bought it kind of rustic and very undeveloped. Like there was not a house on it. There was a barn. There was a barn and it had an office slash bedroom inside of it. And it was so, so like we were practically camping, but we started having Thanksgiving out there and we just opened the barn. And, and I mean a barn, like there's tractors in it. It's just tools. I love everywhere. it. It's a, it's a working cattle ranch. So we just opened the barn doors and we'd set up like five tables back to back. I love it. 
and we had Thanksgiving in the barn, like this huge table, four wheelers, like just right outside the dogs running around. I was just, I love that. Goosebumps. Yeah. This is life. You know, this is just ever, everyone coming together. We stay together. It's not like we have to rush off to our other families because literally we're all there. So it's so fun. Okay. And how about this one? I hope you have an answer. I should have prepared you. What's your favorite Christmas song, carol or a song where you're just, this is your jam. Like yeah. you're going to hear uh, it and you're okay. there. You're in Christmas. Okay. I love the hymn Angels We Have Heard on High. I mean, love it. Oh, I cry certainly. every time thinking about the angel yeah. singing to baby Jesus. Like it gets me. <laughs> but John McLaughlin has done a piano rendition of it. No words. Just he just goes after the Ooh. piano. And John doesn't read music. So it just came from his brain. And so oh it's gosh. like it's amazing listening to it. I could listen to it every day of the entire year. I'm 100% going to download that. I start listening to Christmas music in October. I'm not sorry. Not one bit. Nope. Last year, I put up my Christmas tree on the first day of November because I'm like, you know what this year has been? Horrible. So if I want a Christmas tree up on November 1st, I'm going to have it. And I'm going to start my Christmas playlist. And this year is going to be identical, if not a little sooner. I start calling the Christmas tree farm. I mean, cause I I'm still a real girl. And so I'm like, Hey, uh, when are the trees being delivered? Okay. November 14th. Okay, great. Can I pick up on November 15th? Oh, they're not going to be sprayed yet. November 16th then. Great. Fantastic. Okay. I'll see you there. Like, I'm just like, I have to, I have to be there on the first day. It's just magic. Last question. I actually ask all my guests this and please feel free to answer this. However you want to. I mean, it can be earnest and sweet, or it can be just like wild and absurd. We, we get them all. So this is a question that I learned from Barbara Brown Taylor, who's an Episcopal priest. And it's just brilliant because she asked this very open-ended question, what is saving your life right now? Yeah. So I, that's a really great question. The first thing out the gate is peppermint mocha creamer because everyone loves some peppermint mocha creamer in coffee. But as I think about it, it's like this year I was able to take three or four months off of living in Arkansas and I moved to Nashville and I decided to live in kind of solidarity with God and just be with him. I felt like Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about, you know, you can't have, you know, solitude without community and you can't have community without solitude. And I had spent, you know, the last like three years writing a cookbook all about community. So I was filled with community and just felt like I needed some time just with Jesus. And so I took four months and I said no to my community group. I said no to serving in the church. Like I just spent time with G. It was the most like in a time where you think you might be the loneliest, not knowing anyone. And it's kind of weird to be in a new city and say, Hey, I'm just going to be here for 90 days. Would you be my friend? Like that was not my mindset at all. It was the most peaceful and the most full I have felt in a very, very long time. And so I think that as, you know, as we're in this like sprint to the holidays, it's like, if I hadn't have had, if I hadn't have taken that moment kind of like in the wilderness with God, I don't know that I would be where I'm at right now with him. And so saving, you know, saving me was this time that I just got to sit down and just be with Jesus and it was so sweet. So dear. Thank you, Abby, for sharing that. That's precious. Okay. You are so fun. You are so great. I love that you're out in the world doing this thing. Can you tell my listeners like where to find you, where to find your stuff, how they can get connected to you best? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
couple of things. Instagram is probably my most active that that I am because Facebook, I just feel is a lot. But it's a I'm lot. Also, it's a lot. It's a lot, Abby. It's so it's a lot. lot. So yeah. Instagram over at a tabletop affair. I'm also on Pinterest and I'm constantly like posting things of just little encouragement. Like, Hey, this is really easy. Found this recipe. This is great. But a tabletopaffair.com is the blog and is all of the information, all of the recipes also have a 52 weeks of mastering the kitchen newsletter. You can join for free. If that's your jam, you just wanted tips and tricks. It's not recipes. It's tips and tricks for the kitchen. But my most favorite thing that I do is Sunday supper club on Instagram. I do an Instagram live every Sunday night around nine ish central because you know, in my, everyone calls, says that Abby runs on Turner time and I do, it is my time. So I have no idea if it's going to start at eight 50 or nine 30, it's just nine ish. And it comes on. So you can always watch it after, but Sunday night supper club is probably my favorite thing. Cause I just cook with the, you know, with the the Instagram world and it's always super short and sweet and 20 minutes and we, we have dinner. So it's fun. The best, the absolute best. Thanks. Thanks for being on today. Thank you for bringing kind of your special brand of like light and joy, not just to my community here, but just to the world. And I appreciate your approach to all of this. It is, it's so wonderfully human and accessible and it's for us regulars, you know, like just regular women who just are trying to live the most lovely life that we can with all these demands on us. And so thank you for not making it harder than it needs to be make creating a bunch of like rules. We don't actually have to follow, but that stress us out. And so I am delighted to introduce you to my community. So just sending you all my love here from Austin. And I hope you have the most magical just holiday season and that you feel loved. I know that you're going to make your people feel loved. And I just, I can't wait to follow and see what you're making. I'm real, real here for the like phoned in sweet potato casserole. Very here for it. I mean, (laughs) hey, yeah, it is a, it's a game changer for sure. Especially you don't have to mash the sweet potatoes or anything like it's already done for you. No, I'm there. there. You just get to take credit for it. No, I'm sold. And you don't have to explain it to me. I'm like, done. Write it down. This is a thing. Okay. Thank you well, Jen, so much, Abby. Yes. I'm just happy to have met you today. This was so fun. Thanks, Jen. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Isn't she darling? Just darling. So much more to come in this series that we are obsessed about. Obsessed about the Deck the Hallmark guys, the funniest episode you will ever listen to. Obsessed about Bishop Curry, who comes in and offers us a benediction and a blessing and hope for a new year. I mean, this is such a dear series and you're going to love it. I don't want you to miss a single episode. I'm glad you were here for the beginning. Keep coming back because we are thinking, how can we serve our community this year during the holiday season? What sort of comfort and joy can we bring? So thanks for subscribing. Thank you for rating and reviewing. As always, you are the best listening community ever. We love you so much. So on behalf of Laura and her production crew and Amanda and I, it's a joy to serve you. You're going to love this series and we're so delighted to bring it to you. See you next week.